I just want to say again, welcome to Chi Alpha. That's where you're at. Whether you knew it or not, whether you were looking for it or not, congratulations, you are exactly where you should be, Chi Alpha. Make sure I'm on my, there we go. What's Chi Alpha? It's a campus ministry, a group of people who believe that we can become a community that welcomes people, that loves people right where they're at, that shows God's love on this campus, not in a negative way, not in a, in a shameful way, but in a positive way that impacts our community, our world. We believe in the Bible. It's a composition of 66 books put together, inspired by the Holy Spirit with different authors, a story of the Israelites, a story of Jesus' love, and that's okay. If you don't accept these things, if you don't believe these things, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you were comfortable enough to come and sit down in an auditorium today. Whether If you're sitting here, I want you to know you are automatically part of the community. There's nothing special you have to do. There's no initiation. You are part of the group. I would say the most welcoming group on campus, but I haven't been to them all, so I don't know. Please forgive me as I open up this Kickstart. Ah, says the man who works for Pepsi. Okay. That was gross. Welcome to Chi Alpha. My name's Zach. I get to be the director here. Uh, did you bring a Bible? If not, that's okay. If you need a Bible, a physical Bible, please talk to me. I have one just for you. Uh, if you have your phone, there's a great app called Uversion. I'd suggest downloading it. You can follow along that way. If you don't have any of the above listed, that's okay. Behind me on the Sky Bible will be the verses. For those of you who are blind and left your glasses at home or thought it was too dark in this room, we have a white background with black text that stands over a foot high. So you'll be good. Here we go. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, starting with verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you that what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, will, you will be on land that I've given you. From the Negvin wilderness in the south, the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River into the east, the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Forgive me as I butcher this. Including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Lord, tonight, would you uh, get my tongue in its place as it seems to be messing up? Lord, I pray that my words would be few tonight and yours would be many. May that be the cry of my heart forever and always. Lord, let your words come out. In your name we pray. Amen. Maxwell and I were sitting in my dining room somewhere the other day, and he asked me a question. Do you think Facebook will do what Instagram is doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? I think we're comparing uh, a golden delicious apple to a Granny Smith apple. Two different apples, one hard, one soft. They're both apples, but that's about the only thing they have in life. I know they're owned by the same company, but whatever. He, I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, the all caught up thing. Like when you scroll through all the posts of the past three days, it tells you you're all caught up. And I thought to myself, man, I am never caught up that. I've never seen that alert. Huh, that's odd. But I was thinking about that. Because I have been at times feeling like I've been all caught up. Because to be honest and to be vulnerable with you, I feel like I am addicted to social media at times. That's just who I am. 
Uh, but I know there's been times in my life, and I call it the Sunday afternoon syndrome, when I have sat and I've watched all the Snap stories, all the Instagram stories, I've scrolled as far through Facebook as I can stand because I get tired of seeing old people ranting. Then I, get, I scroll all the way through Instagram as I can stand because then I get tired of seeing other churches doing better than me. Personal problem, I know. We'll move on. Um, I get through all these social medias or even like YouTube. Like I'm like, I've seen every video on YouTube when there's no possible way that I can. But you understand my point. Like you maybe can understand like the feeling of being all caught up and you're like, well, what do I do now? I have nothing to do. My life means nothing because I've seen every post. When in reality, it's a gross exaggeration. We should never make that. But hey, let's keep moving on with the story, Zachary. So I call it the Sunday afternoon syndrome. Or you might be familiar with this one. You found a great Netflix series, Hulu documentary, Amazon Prime series. Any Jack Ryan fans out there? Nope. Oh, couple. Bree, you got in on that? Good deal. Um, I uh, binge watched Jack Ryan in 16 hours. I slept six hours while watching it. That was it. Uh, it was a great TV show. Loved it. I'm just a fan of Harrison Ford. But when it was over, I was like, now what? Like, I want season two, and I had to come to the realization that I have to wait 364 days because I watched it in the first 24 hours like a, well, like a you-know-what. But I think we've all been there. You finished a Netflix series. Have you finished Grey's yet, Bree? You fi now, are you just like, I want more? No. Yeah, exactly. We've all have our TV shows where we finish that series as soon as they come out. The day they come out, the week they come out, you're done and you're like, I want more of this. You saturate your life with so much of it, you're like, I want more. I'm all caught up and now what? But I think it's important to be all caught up, right? Like if you're going to start Stranger Things, you don't start with the last episode of season two. I've never watched it, don't know anything about it. Let's not talk about it because I don't do good with scary movies. It's not a scary TV show. Okay, called Stranger Things. It sounds scary to me, so I'm going to avoid it. But anyways, you don't just start at the middle of something. And when we jump into this passage in Joshua, we're literally jumping into the middle of an amazing story of the Israelites. So, would you give me a moment to catch you up? Can you, can you give me a moment to catch you up with what's going on in the story of Joshua? So, hold your hats, because here we go. Moses was born in Egypt. The Israelites were in Egypt as slaves. They came there because they needed food. Remember the story of uh, Joshua in the coat of many colors? That's his family. They move into Egypt. They start living there, and they just like, what are we going to do? Well, we'll make them build things. So Israelites are living in Egypt as slaves. Uh, Pharaoh starts killing off all the boys. They put Moses in a river. He floats down the river. He becomes adopted by the princess. Lives in, you've seen the Prince of Egypt, I'm sure. Lives in the castle for a while. He grows up. He ends up killing uh, Egyptian. The Israelites get scared of him. He's like, I'm yours. We're the same people. They're like, no, you aren't. You're a murderer. And then, so he runs away. He goes out into the desert. And becomes married. Becomes a shepherd. Sees a burning bush. God says, hey, I want you to free my people out of Egypt. So he says, I don't think I can do that. I'm a very shy person. They hate me. They don't like me. I was there. I left. Not a good idea. God's like, I've called you to do this, so let's do it. He's like, I don't know, God. He's like, just do it. He's like, fine, I'll do it. So he ends up with everything he's got. He goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, let my people go. All these plagues happen, plague after plague after plague after plague after plague. I've lost count. But let my people go, let my people go, let my people go. Pharaoh says, fine, your people can go. He takes his people out of Egypt. 
So he, they're leaving Egypt. Well, Pharaoh, he's not a very happy guy, and he's kind of bipolar. He says, ah, I changed my mind. He rounds up his army, sends them after the Israelites. You have almost a million people walking across the desert at this point in time to the Red Sea. They get to the Red Sea. Moses raises his hands. The Red Sea parts. They walk across dry land. You might have known this if you went to Sunday school. If you didn't, that's fine. Pretty much just the story. Moses raised his hand. They walk through the Red Sea. Uh, the Israelites are chasing him through this dry land. Moses puts his arms down. The sea goes, Whoosh! and the army gets swallowed up. Israelites are in the desert. Now they're heading to the promised land, right? They're walking. They get there. Moses says, 12 scouts, one from each tribe. Go to the promised land. Scout it out. They come back. One's like, oh my goodness, there's so much good stuff there. The grapes are so tasty. The land's so fruitful. Let's send it. Let's take it. The other 11 are like, let's not. Let's go back to Egypt. So Moses is like, I'm going to listen to the 11 because this is a democracy, right? We don't listen to God. Yes, you do. But anyways, he goes, we're going to listen to the 11. Now through one, Caleb. And Caleb's like, send it, bro. And they're like, let's not. So they decide not to go into the land of milk and honey in which they've been promised, i.e. the promised land. God gets mad, says, Moses, everyone except for Joshua and Caleb is going to die in the next 40 years. And you're forced to wander in the desert for 40 years. So that kind of brings us up to speed. We're just at the end of the wandering. Moses has died. And oh, true story. Moses didn't even get a step foot in the promised land. God made him a promise. Anywhere your foot would step is yours. Moses doesn't even put a foot in the promised land. You know what God lets him do? Let's him stand on top of a mountain and look at it. That's it. Now, that's a whole other sermon in itself, but Moses ends up dying. Joshua is left in charge. We see five verses today. There's more. Please read more because now you're all caught up. And I hope after the message, you're like, I need more of the story of Joshua. Guess what? The Old Testament is full of the greatest story I love to read. If I could choose what I'd read every day, it'd be the Old Testament because there's so many stories of when God comes through and the amazing things he did for the Israelites and King David. Oh my goodness, King David. Read First and Second Samuel. Anyways, keep focus, Zachary. That's years ahead of this. But anyways, we're at Joshua. So this is Joshua's big moment right? Joshua is ready to take over. It's time to, as Caleb said, quote unquote, Zachary translation, send it. So here we go. Joshua chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. This is a turning point in Joseph's life. Imagine serving Moses all your life. There's stories of Joseph just lingering in the temple, which was a tent at the time, which is the physical holy presence, spirit of uh, the physical presence of the Holy Spirit, with the physical presence of God in this tabernacle. We don't need to get into it, I guess, but. Joseph was a very godly man, but he served Moses. So imagine serving somebody all your life. He dies, and the next thing you know, you have one million people. Record shows that there was over 500,000 men alone, not counting women and children. So all of a sudden, Joseph goes from a servant to a leader. We see a transition start taking place. A turning point in Joseph's life. He's never going to be the same. He goes on in verse 3. He says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you'll be on land that I have given to you. 
He said, remember everything I told Moses? That continues on to you. Moses messed up. Moses didn't listen to me. Moses thought that I wasn't going to be able to follow through because 11 guys were scared of these giants that lived in the promised land. All those promises I gave Moses 40 plus years ago, I'm giving them to you. I will fulfill my promises through you, Joshua. So not only is he leading over a million people overnight, literally goes from leading probably nobody to leading everybody. He also has the promises of God given to him. Can you imagine for a moment with me the stress Joshua is looking at? Like, yeah, God's promises are great. We as Christians believe that when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And we start watching for him to do it. And we get excited for him to do it. And we start praying for him to do it, maybe sooner on our time. But imagine Joshua at that moment like, oh, so it depends where my feet go? You sure we can't tweak that, God? Like, let's... Let's give those feet to somebody else. Like, I'll lead, but like, let's give them to Caleb or this other guy. Like that random guy. Just random picked a person. Like, let's just call that you pointing him out. Can we give wherever his feet go? No, oh, my, my feet. Oh, yeah, that's not stressful. He goes, God goes on to say, from the Negvin wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. So I, I thought about throwing up a big map, showing you what God was promising, but that has nothing to do with the message tonight. The only thing I'm going to say about this is, please read on. How about foreshadowing 22 seasons later? Uh, they don't even take all that land. God gave, in the, God gave them this huge promise. Like, this is your land. Conquer it. I am with you. Take it over. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to take over about this much. I know you gave us this much, but we're not going to take this much because, you know, it's scary. It's a lot of work. What if your promise runs out? Anyways, that's foreshadowing for later. I encourage you to read about it. But anyways, going on. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. So imagine the emotional roller coaster Joshua has just went through in, in let's say, six verses, and we'll count Moses. Well, five verses. Moses dies. Tragic moment. Forty years Joshua's been with Moses. Walking through the desert living off manna, nasty bread. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, Moses is dead. I'm the leader. That same promise still exists. That's a huge piece of land. Oh, oh, and you have my back. I don't know about you, but if, if God was to look at me and say, hey, bro, send it. I got you. Every emotion that I had before then would pretty much be pushed aside and be like, okay, send it. You got it, God. Let's do this. This moment for Joshua is tremendous. Oh, here's a million people. And now lead them. Handle this transition well. Is he thinking to himself, am I ready to handle this? A million people. Am I really ready for this? You want me to lead these people. 
He might not have thought that, but I'm just saying if I was Joshua in these shoes thousands of years ago, even the confusion, like, why me, God? Why me? Then Joshua hears what we would call verse 5. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never abandon you. Those questions are always going to be there in Joshua's head, I'm sure. Am I good enough? Should have God called somebody else? But then Joshua remembers what God says. Hey, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never abandon you. And in a transition like that, imagine the power of God reminding you that he has your back. I want you to take a moment here and look around the room. Every person you see in this room is going through a transition. Jason and Allison just moved into a new house. That's a transition. Handling that. I'm transitioning into what it looks like to be a lead pastor of a church. I have no clue. Freshman in the room. What's it like? College. It's not high school, is it? Might have the same people here. See some of the same people, but you're an adult. That's a tough transition to go through. Sophomores. You figured out what your major is yet? Where are you going next year? How many people are asking you that question? It's a hard question. People who aren't in college. You want to stay at your job for the rest of your life? Transitions are inevitable. You can't stay a high schooler forever, can you? Your, your testimony is that right now. I wanted to stay in high school. I was like, oh, got my phone paid for, got a sweet job. Don't really like school, but it probably looks better than living on my own at this point. You can't stay in college forever. There's been students at Iowa Central who have tried and stayed here for several years longer than they should just because they didn't want to get a job. And like, it's easier to go to class, party, and do whatever. You can't stay in college forever. Transitions are inevitable. I thought I was going to stay just a Chi Alpha pastor for years and years and years. And I was fine with that. Transitions are inevitable. You can love your job, and then God calls you. And you know, the scary thing is, looking forward, I see as I look across the room for all you guys, there's transitions you haven't even came across yet. You aren't even thinking about. Maybe you are. You guys thinking about dating? Oh, I'm dating right now. Okay, yeah, that's cute. Uh, dating as an adult, try that. You've got to start making some choices. How are you going to date? How are you going to live your life? How are you going to do that? That'll be fun, won't it? Think you got that figured out? I never did, still don't. You're going to get married eventually. That's a transition. Men, it's so much fun to go and uh, hang out with your buddies till like 4 o'clock in the morning, crash at their couch, and play video games all the time. That ain't happening when you get married. Sorry. Girls, I don't know what the equivalent for you is. not going to try to stretch it, but I know it. Just fill it in as yourself. When you become married, there's, there's a man. 
And uh, you kind of have to talk with him. You can't bottle up your emotions. I don't know if that's your personality, but we'll just keep moving on because we're getting in dangerous territory now. About family. Some of you guys in this room are really excited, maybe thinking about having kids in the future, hopefully distant future for some of you. Uh, Maxwell. Hi. Uh, <laughs> distant future or whatever. Have a baby. Oh, my goodness. Having a baby. You think you're ready for a baby, right? They get, God gave us nine months to prepare. No. I didn't even try to prepare in those nine months. I was just a realist. I was like, I'm not going to be ready for this thing. Got a car seat. That's all I know how to get it home with. Okay. We have diapers? We'll just take them from the hospital, right? They'll give us enough to get through one year. Oh, they won't? Oh, cool. Diapers are 30 bucks a month? Holy cow. 70. Oh, $70 a month. Oh, yeah, that's even worse. Transitions. My point is transitions are everywhere. I don't mean to scare you with these. I don't mean to make you nervous. Think about just trying to figure out how to move back in with mom and dad, live in their basement, and play Xbox all day. As nice as that does sound. That's not what I'm trying to get you to do. You see, I believe this this story, these five verses, what we call five verses, are in the Bible because transitions are going to take tolls on you. They're going to attack you. They're going to bring you down. They're going to just sink their teeth into you, and you are going to get scared. And you're going to wonder, am I doing the right thing? God, why am I here? Are you sure... I'm, I'm ready for this? You might not be. But you know what the beautiful thing is? We have Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. Because Christ died for your sins. You see, the Israelites were, were God's chosen people. Throughout the entire Old Testament, we see the story of the Israelites. Their rise and fall, their mistakes and, and redemption, mistake and redemption, mistake and redemption, mistake and redemption, mistake and redemption. Read through everything after Joshua or the entire Old Testament. You will see problems, mistakes, shortcomings of the, the Israelites. And God just comes back and still loves them. So we get to the Gospels and the Bible and we read a story about how Jesus died on the cross for us and died on the cross for our sins so we can get to heaven. And so we all get to be included, not just the Jewish people, the Israelites, but everybody, you and I. Because I don't know if anyone in this room is Jewish. No? Okay. Oh, no, you aren't. Um, but by the old law, we would have to convert to Judaism to even have a possibility of being saved. But guess what? There's Christ's sacrifice takes that away. And all these promises he made to the Israelites, all these promises he made to his chosen people, you have just became his chosen person. We are his chosen people because we're believers. So in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, when he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, I will never abandon you. I want to encourage you as you go through this transition of what college is like, what finding a new job is like, whatever transition that you're going to go through in the next 80 to 90 to 100 years, Remember Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. Is God grabbing you by the shoulders, looking you square in the face and saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never abandon you. 
Because the moment you put your hope in a person or a pastor, let's just say me, I will fail you. I have a family. I shut my phone off to be with them at times. And you might call me at those times and be like, Zach doesn't care about me. That's not the truth. I care about my family and you, but I need family time. My point is, look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. God is grabbing you by the shoulders and saying, I'll never leave you or forsake you or abandon you because I love you. And yes, life is hard. Yes, this place is not perfect. But I'm preparing a place for you. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. So in all transitions, think of Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. And maybe physically think about God just physically taking his gigantic God-sized hands putting them on you and looking you in the face and saying, have I left you yet? Have I abandoned you yet? I'm still here because when everything looks down and the crowds are walking away, when friends have failed you, there is still a God who loves you. There's still a God who cares for you. There is still a God who is in your corner fighting for you. I don't know how many people in this room have played sports, but I think we've all can think of a really good coach in our life and a really bad coach. God is better than any good coach you can think of. And he loves you. That's the best, biggest part of the, the, the Bible is that there is a God who loves you. And everything points to his love. Everything points to his love. And today I want to give you the opportunity. If, if you don't consider yourself a believer, that's, that's okay. But maybe you're like, this God that you're talking about, preacher man, weird boy, the weird genes, whatever. It, he seems too good to be true. Well, then you're probably thinking about the right guy. He seems too good to be true because guess what? He offers forgiveness no matter what. He loves you no matter what. And he wants to grow you no matter where you're at. You're never too far gone. So we're going to go back into worship. God we believe in, who I believe is still in this place through the Holy Spirit, who's permeating us, who's breaking down walls inside of us. We're going to go back and start singing. I want to encourage you to raise your voice and lift your hands and, and really dive into worship. It's going to be three songs. For the sake of transparency, that's how long it's going to be. No matter what the song is, I just want to encourage you to dive in. And if you don't believe in a God, if you don't believe in this God, but you've been feeling something push you that way, dive into worship and just give it all to Him. 
sing the